Hi, I'm Janelle. And I'm Monique. And welcome to Is Marriage Worth It? We are just two single chicks, girls, women. Anything but females. Trying to figure out what marriage is like and is it worth it? I'm assuming the best place to get the answers is from married people. Maybe engaged people, newlyweds, and even other singles. Each episode, we will have a guest answering different questions we have or that you may have about marriage. Join us as we try to figure out, is marriage worth it? And if it is, I wonder if my future husband or yours is listening right now. Hi, I'm Monique. And I'm Janelle. And welcome back to another episode of Is Marriage Worth It? So our guest today is Peyton. And Peyton had responded way back when to... Uh, inquiry that we had and I finally got myself around to going back and emailing people so thank you Peyton for still being willing to be on our um, podcast absolutely happy to be here so to kick things off if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself sure so I'm Peyton Garland I am an author and an editor I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, that area, with my husband, Josh, who's a pilot, and our two terrible but cute dogs, Alfie and Daisy. (laughs) We do live on a farm, and this is our first year trying to plant things and go very little house on the prairie. So that's been a fun process, and we're expecting our first little one in June. So lots of exciting stuff, trying to grow plants and babies all at the same time. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Okay. So how long have you been married? Two weeks ago, we celebrated our five-year anniversary. Five years. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to rewind and go to the beginning of your story. How did you guys meet? We met on a blind date. We were those people who were probably stupid enough to go on a blind date and it was to a wedding. So I knew the groom, he knew the bride and we had a mutual friend who knew we both were going to go by ourselves. So she paired us up. Um, I had just broken up with someone four days before this. And so I was not in the mood to be totally frank. I was not in the mood for this. He was not in the mood. So we both went very begrudgingly. This was not a happy (laughs) for us. We went because we both really respected our mutual friend. And then we were engaged five months later. So go on a blind date and then I can't get rid of him. See, this is what I'm saying. I need someone to vouch for the other person. (laughs) This seems perfect. I want that. Make it happen, Mo. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll do my best. But I'm still stuck that, okay, you guys went on this blind date and then five, five months. Oh, yeah. So, of course, naturally, I, you know, I got all the questions of like, are you pregnant? Yeah. (laughs) All the lovely things. And I'm like, no, I actually just like this guy. Uh, So I had dated someone for three ish years right before I met my husband. Mm -hmm. There was lots of cheating on his end, lots of verbal abuse. And I Mm -hmm. just kind of walked away from that and was trying to figure out who I was before him, like and mm-hmm. who I was after him. And I don't know, it was one of those things where once I knew exactly what I didn't want, it was very easy to figure out what I wanted. Being okay. with the wrong guy very clearly helped me see who the right guy was. So I think the timing was something I couldn't have prepared for just the gap of 
three or four days later, meeting someone else kind of by force. That wasn't something I could control, but it was really neat to see that pivotal change of being in an unhealthy relationship for so long Mm -hmm. and then being in a healthy one and seeing that a lot of guys, when they, when they really love a girl, they actually do want to commit a lot sooner. It's not just this whole stringing you along sort of thing. So yeah, five, five months was it two months in, he wanted to know if I'd marry him. I said, heck no, I don't know you. (laughs) That's kind of creepy. Leave me alone. Um, but then three months later, I was just a sucker. So <laughs> I was supposed to say two months is a lot. Give me three more months. So we might know. Each right. Other. I thought that was a little bit, I was like, you're cute, but I still don't know if I like you. This is a little pushy. So obviously the wedding date went at least okay, but was it like good? Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. So the bride and groom, they, they threw one of these weddings where you know where some wedding receptions are just dull and you're like why am i here and then there's some they're just fun everybody dances everybody eats everybody laughs thankfully it was one of those and we had so many mutual friends and didn't know it that it was actually really easy for us to kind of blend in with everybody we sat at a table where it turns out we both knew all the people at the table so there's a lot of good conversation he was very kind and asked me to dance during fast songs slow songs um and then after that once we kind of waved the bride and groom off he it was december it was cold but he wanted ice cream and wanted to know if i wanted to go with him and so we were those people like 12 a.m in the dairy queen parking lot eating ice cream and i think we probably talked until about 2 2 30 in the morning so then it was just one of those things where we just chit-chatted just us two for two hours and he was he was real easy to talk to and i appreciated that and i didn't mm-hmm. get the feeling that there was some sort of agenda either he oh. genuinely he asked me as many questions about me as much as he told me stuff about him like so. a unicorn <laughs> he is a unicorn 100 <laughs> percent the ice cream in december i was like is he from minnesota (laughs) his family's from new york so they are brooklyn and bronx people so i guess the cold doesn't bother him i am from georgia (laughs) i don't do the colds (laughs) yeah i thought he was a little crazy for that move but he paid for the ice cream so i didn't complain nice nice fair enough (laughs) so after that ice cream wedding we're just gonna wrap that all into one date after that when did you guys like meet up again and how did it progress? So two days later, so I kind of wanted a day to breathe because again, I just ended a relationship and now mm-hmm. there's this other guy who he gave me his phone number after that and wanted to talk. And I just, I thought I needed just a day to just <laughs> declutter my brain from what was going on. But two days later, he took me to get coffee and the small town that we both lived in in Georgia was only like a 25 minute drive from a lookout mountain. It was the base mm-hmm. of like the Appalachians. Mm-hmm. And so we drove up there and just, we drank coffee and just chit chatted. And then he very quickly wanted to meet my family, vice versa. It picked up very fast after that, which obviously would explain the whole five months thing. This is like a snowball. Your story just keeps adding <laughs> things in within the five months. immediately building like i want to meet your family so like how do you have that conversation do you just like hey so this guy wants to meet you guys yeah so my family hated the guy before 
hated Mm. him, did not want him at the house. And so clearly I wasn't great at picking guys or listening to them. (laughs) And so when I was like, there's another one really quickly, my mom was fine. She was like, that's, that's great. We were, we were watching Christmas movies, just my family. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, do you care if he comes over? That might be an easy way. Not a ton of forced conversation. It's a really chill environment. My dad was no, he was not happy about it. And mom won that battle because she always wins battles with my father. And so he came over and I fell asleep around 10 or 11 watching Christmas movies. I wake up at five in the morning on the couch and my dad and my husband, Josh, are just chit chatting like best friends. Is five in the morning and he has not left my house. And I was like, this is weird. You're not dating my father. You're really not dating me. Like, <laughs> what? Go home. <laughs> Who are you? Exactly. So, so, yeah, dad was not a fan and then fell in love with him instantaneously, <laughs> which was really nice. I'm so, I'm just in shock. <laughs> just like, longevity of your dates they don't end (laughs) until the next day (laughs) no well and that was what was so odd is my mom finally sat me down like two or three weeks into this and was like so what do you think of this guy and I just said all I know is I can't get rid of him like he goes away and he's back in like an hour and I I don't know what that's about um yeah definitely couldn't get rid of him and Again, I guess you get to know someone very quickly within five months when they never go away. It's like 24-7 for five months. So So how did he propose? So he he told me one day he wanted to go hiking. We I'm not a hiker, but he is. And so I was like, okay, sure. So he shows up at my house. And I noticed this like box in his pocket. Bless his heart. He forgot to take the ring box out of his pocket. And so he shows up and I'm like, this is suspicious. Um, so, so we went on a hike and it was one of the first hikes we went on when we first started dating. And then he took me to this really pretty, it was back up on that mountain peak. Mm-hmm. There's a really pretty restaurant there that overlooks the mountains during sunset And he took me up there and we had dinner and then he set up a campfire and started playing music and asked me to marry him. It was super low key. I looked like a sweaty, gross mess, but but it was very thoughtful. I I wish I could remember everything he said, but I I can't. It was definitely a a blur, but I knew it was coming all day because there was a big ring. Yeah. I, I've never told him that either. I've just let him think he he did the greatest thing ever, like <laughs> pulled off the greatest surprise. So, yeah. <laughs> so after you guys got engaged, how long before you guys got married? Six months. So it was it was one of those Friends. things. Where I woke up. <laughs> I woke up on my wedding day, and I was like, I had that first bit of panic, and the main reason was. It's like, I've known this guy for 11 months. Am I sure I want to do this? Like, that was fast. Uh, so, yeah, we got we got engaged in August and then we're married by February. Uh, I had been in so many weddings. I've been a bridesmaid so many times that when it was my turn, I wanted to do something super simple. Oh, okay. So we rented a little chapel and had 
15 people there. So okay. it, it wasn't hard to put together. I didn't need 9, 10, 11, 12 months to actually plan a wedding because I did not want something big. So mm-hmm. that was part of the reason it was so short. And then his grandfather was very sick battling cancer. And mm-hmm. we were kind of on a kind of on a time clock, really yeah. wanting him to be there. So the goal was June. But we pulled it back to February and very grateful we did. He passed away early May that year, Mm -hmm. Um, but he got to be my husband's best man. So that was just really special for us. So I'm glad we we did what we did on the timing. Mm -hmm. So I know you said you were in a lot of weddings and you didn't need the big hoopla and whatever. But was marriage a goal for you, like being married? I I liked the the concept. I I grew up in a deep southern culture where mm-hmm. most women were married by 20 or 21. It's mm-hmm. I, I mean I'm about to be 29 and most of my friends have two or three kids. They've been married 7, 8, 9, 10 years. And so I was even at about 24, I was the old maid. And so I liked wow. the idea of marriage. Like that was fine. But I had also taken two or three years to myself that most girls hadn't. I mm-hmm. studied abroad in college. I pursued like my writing career. So it was fine if it came along. But I, I also have a very independent mother who taught me to be very independent. And so there were mm-hmm. other things I, I was pursuing that were fulfilling as well. So I was OK with if it came along when it came along. That was fine. I was comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So after you guys said, I do, what was that first year of marriage like for you? It was hell on earth. (laughs) It was hard. It was very hard. And one of the reasons is so we hadn't lived together. And so all of a sudden there's this human who's grosser than I thought, way (laughs) in the face, um, who doesn't, who puts clothes by the hamper, not in the hamper. So there were petty things like that where I was like, I I don't like this. Um, Let's fix this. But there were also things where he, before he became a pilot, he was a sales rep for the Atlanta Falcons football team. Cool. And that's a busy job. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of, there was a lot of late nights where it was just me cooking for one, which I guess was prepping me to be a pilot's wife. And I didn't know mm-hmm. it, but that first year was just a ton of job frustrations trying to figure each other out and and me trying to mature as a person because marriage matures you a lot faster than <laughs> it goes from like the quick timeline then you got married and it's like whoa wait like what <laughs> happened you don't know how many times I, I thought what did I do this is not no this is not fun I I actually started going to therapy about a year and a half later. And I was like, I don't know if marriage has done it to me or <laughs> or what, but here we are. But I think that first year taught me so much about me being the problem. A lot of times, I think that first mm-hmm. year it was me trying to fix him where I saw where I thought he should improve as a human being. And there was just so much for Peyton to improve on. And I think it took me a good year, year and a half to go, wait a second. I'm kind of the problem. So it was a lot of self-reflection and then, and then a lot of hard work that I'm very grateful for. Mm -hmm. So this was about 2018. You guys Uh got married. Yeah. Yeah, We got married in 2018. 
So how long into your marriage did he decide to switch careers? That must have been really stressful. Six months. Ooh. So, and we were very blessed. I mean, a sales rep for the Atlanta Falcons just it makes good money. Mm-hmm. So the, the hours were long and the schedule was not fun, but he was making good money. And to go and become a pilot, you you have to quit everything. There's not even you don't even have time for a part time gig. So it goes back to a lot like high school. It's you're in class all day, every day, five days a week. Mm-hmm. And I was working at a nonprofit making about 20,000 a year. So we went from making his salary plus mine just for fun money to mine for a year. And, and that was that was incredibly difficult. Uh, and that was that was another thing that I think made that first year so hard is financially. Mm-hmm. We went from just being very comfortable to like, no, put that box of macaroni back on the shelf. Like we do not have the extra dollar twenty nine to buy that right now. Mm-hmm. So that was that was hard. But it was one of those things where he came home and he was like, I don't I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to sit behind a desk. I don't like how long these hours are. I, I want to be a pilot. And as a new wife and still being super young, I didn't know what else to say besides like, OK, go for it. We went for it and it was mm-hmm. it was a ride. It was a wild ride for sure. A very stressful one. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, you're braver than most. <laughs> I don't know if I was brave or just stupid. I think it was <laughs> stupid. I just nodded my head and then walked into something I did no research on whatsoever. But but for me, I was trying to think. He'd always been so supportive of me. If I ever wanted to go to writing workshops, if I ever mm-hmm. wanted to change up my career goals, he'd never flinched. It was just, yeah, if that's what makes you happy, if that's what you your goal is, go for it. And so it was one of those things where, I yeah, guess, marriage, you know, if, if he's being selfless on his end, my turn. So yeah. <laughs> it was my turn just a little earlier than I would have anticipated for something like a career change. Absolutely. That's a big shift in a career change, too. You're not kidding. Well, and I'm a military brat. And so Mm. one of the things I liked was, hey, he's home. It might be late, but he's going to be home every day. I know he's going to be home. Mm -hmm. There's no, he might get a phone call and he's gone to another country for nine months. And then he says, I want to become a pilot, which granted isn't the military, but we are back to, you're not home every day. I don't know where you are. You could be in this country. You could be somewhere else. And so that was that was something I had to wrestle with too, is mm-hmm. kind of going back to that place in my childhood that was not unstable in like an unhealthy way. It was just dad was never really home. Unstable. So yeah. Now I'm stepping into husband's never home and mm-hmm. just seeing how it looks like kind of from my mom's perspective, living that out. Right. So how did you, or how, is he still a pilot? Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you deal with that? <laughs> I, I pick him up at the airport at midnight, which is what I'm doing tonight. Uh, <laughs> but it he's he's intelligent. He's brilliant. You have to be. I, I helped him study and I had no clue what I was saying the whole time I helped him. And so it's one of those things where he's he's very gifted in it. He's so good at it. He was that he graduated top of his flight school class. So nice. I mean, I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell him no. So he's brilliant. He is so good at being a pilot. And I feel like that's a 
I don't want to say a rare career, but you don't run into people who do this every day. And so the fact that he went through flight school and did so well and was the top pilot in his flight school, it just kind of felt like this was was something he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And we're both travel junkies. Like I, I studied, like I said, overseas in college. He has traveled just about every state in the country before becoming a pilot. And so the neat thing is it's him getting to travel. I do get the perks of traveling with him for free most of the time. So it's there's definitely pros, but how I deal with it is just reminding myself that what he does is is best for our family as a whole mm-hmm. and respecting that before he decided to become a pilot he came home and asked me that was what i that was what i respected it was a hey i want to do this but you're going to have to sacrifice stuff too like you're going to have to put up with stuff are you comfortable with that and so because he kind of let me be the decision maker and he respected my opinion before he dove into this mm-hmm. once he was a natural at it i just had a hard you know i have a hard time saying nah let's go back to the nine to five that you didn't really like yeah the long hours so he's still flying he's somewhere in detroit i think right now i don't know where he is half the time <laughs> in some big city he's flying or landing but i think he really likes it and and for me that makes me feel very content in our marriage that we're both pursuing career goals and the mm-hmm. other one totally respects it is that what brought you guys to Tennessee? Yeah. So we we lived in Colorado for a year. He was out there at the Air oh, Force okay. Academy training Air Force pilots. And he wanted okay. to go commercial. And so okay. he's with Delta now. And Delta's main hubs are Atlanta, New York City. We've lived in Atlanta before and didn't really love it. Mm-hmm. We've been to New York City a ton. And the, the cost of living is just... Get wrenching in New York City. And so with Tennessee, we still have those mountains that we both loved in Georgia and Colorado. But the Knoxville airport, it's an hour to Atlanta. It's an hour to New York. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where he flies out of. It's such a it's such a sweet spot, like a hub for him to get to any airport. Okay. That it, it was worth it. The money we save living in this state. Mm-hmm. We we would gladly take it. I think our house payment for our little farm, it's like 13 acres with this beautiful two-story old house is still only a third of what like a one bed, one bath in New York City would have cost us. Props. <laughs> you know, so we just we just weighed, you know, we balanced out. We said, no, he'll he'll just commute. We'll just do that hour plane ride. We'll we'll have more than five square feet of personal space every day. <laughs> That's definitely a win. <laughs> so with him being gone are you able to well when he's not flying but are you able to talk with him a lot like when he lands or in his rest down yeah so that was that was kind of my rule of thumb with him was especially with my dad being gone so much my dad was fantastic at communicating Mm-hmm. He, he was away at, every night before I went to bed, he would call and sing, you are my sunshine to me when I was a little girl. Oh my gosh. And so, and so that was just something I always, I loved. And it let me know as a child, I was never bitter with my dad for being gone because he made an effort to communicate. So there mm-hmm. was, there were never hard feelings there. And so I just, I kind of wanted that same dynamic with Josh. I said, look, if you'll just let me know when you land. And when you take off, just so I know you're safe and that you're respecting me enough to let me know 
where you are and what's going on. I would really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So he does he does an excellent job. He texts me probably an hour ago. He was flying out of Detroit. And I think he's landing somewhere in like, well, no, he's landing in Knoxville later, I guess, where I pick him up. So I guess he's somewhere between here and Detroit. <laughs> but he's been he's been such a good communicator. Mm-hmm. It does it does make it a little easier. Of course, there's been one or two days where he's dropped the ball and I've let him know very quickly. That's not especially with me being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like, look, if I need I want to feel like if I need you. If, if you're on the ground, I, I'd want to know that I can get to you. That would mm-hmm. make me feel comfortable. I think that's respectful to me. That's respectful to this baby to not stress us out in that way. So we've kind of had to work through that because I'm a little more sensitive with it being pregnant. So that's been interesting to navigate, but it does make a difference. Just kind of having an idea of where he is and knowing he's thinking to respect me and communicate with me in between all the, the traveling that he does. I don't know if I could be a pilot's wife now. Like I'm like for the longest time, Janelle and I would go back and forth and say, neither of us could be with a person in the military. And I'm sitting here. It's like, I don't know if I could, I think I might have to add a pilot on that list. It's there are a lot of similarities, like outside the war aspect of it. Oh yeah. It's very much identical. Like the, the schedule you're on call, you you answer to the airline. You you are not your own. Uh, there is a uniform. There is holidays don't way. matter to them. Absolutely no. Yeah. It was. I knew that. I I included mil, um, pilots with the military. I just <laughs> pretended they were part of the air force. I was just like, I love you from afar. Um, respect, obviously, the hard work and the necessity to our society, but right. Like, uh, I don't know. I I think I'm a little bit selfish. And so I would need somebody who is, like you said, who's intentional about making sure that they're in contact with me. Oh, yeah. Because that, for me, that's what we we did so well naturally dating. We communicated well, which I think is how you kind of get to know someone within five months and feel comfortable marrying them. And so I wanted that even with a career where we might not even be on the same side of the country. We might not be in the same country Mm -hmm. every day. Just that intentionality, I think, is very important. And it's also important to me when he's home he that he's very intentional because it's one Mm -hmm. thing to shoot me a text like, hey, I'm in New York City. Hey, I'm in Detroit, whatever. But it's another thing when you're home and we actually have two to three days face to face Mm -hmm. that we're intentional about spending quality time together and that we don't get caught up in just like, for, for him, like binging video games or or sleeping in late, just he's pretty conscious about getting up earlier just so we can have coffee together or just spending actual face to face time with each other. That mm-hmm. makes it a little more a little more bearable, I guess, when he's gone <laughs> on longer days. <laughs> so speaking of when he is home, how do you guys keep the romance um, alive in your marriage? We are brutally honest about about our sex life. Like it's one of those things where we don't see each other a lot. Mm-hmm. And I've done the love languages thing. We both have mine is physical touch. Mm-hmm. So if if I don't feel like and it's not just even sex, it's just intimacy as a whole. 
Right. I, I will tell him very quickly. I'm like, hey, could you just hug me or hold my hand? Like, I am not, I'm not feeling it right now. And his is words of affirmation. He wants to hear, hey, I love you. Hey, I see you. I appreciate you. And so we just have to be very conscious of that. And almost him more so because physical touch is impossible when he's gone. Right. And so being brutally honest about our sex life and just intimacy in that way has kept things, I think, romantic. Uh, but outside that, we try to be kind of creative. Um, I like to write notes to him from me and his. So we're going to have a boy. So from me and his son, and I'll sneak him in a suitcase for him to find like, when he's on the road. I love that. He's he's really good at, I'll just get a text like, hey, Chick-fil-A is on the way. It'll be door dashed in like five minutes. And I don't ask. So it's just kind of, it's both extremes. So like the nothing sexual whatsoever of, hey, I'm sending you chicken nuggets because I love you <laughs> all the way to, hey, I haven't seen you in five, six, seven days. Please touch me. <laughs> Please love me. So the honesty of it all and just the little things, even when we're apart, keeps it alive, I think. I'm over here giggling like a schoolgirl because these are like the cutest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I love that. If this was a romance novel, I would eat this shit up. <laughs> I love all of this. Well, I'll tell you what, what was incredible to me is when my dad would go on drills or after 9-11, he got called mm -hmm. up. When he would be gone for very prolonged periods of time. I remember when I was little he would get one of her lipstick tubes and they had a big mirror and he would write her a love letter in lipstick. And it was different every time. And my mom, I don't know how she put on her makeup or fixed her hair. She wouldn't, she would not erase it until he got back home. Aww. And so I just saw things like that as a kid. I mm -hmm. saw a lot of my parents being intentional, even when there was obvious for them completely, you know, it's a whole new level of distance that they right. had to navigate. So trying to be intentional with in that same way, because as a kid, I saw that and I saw how healthy it was. Mm -hmm. and, and I'd like to do the same thing for our son. I, I want him to clearly know mom and dad love each other. They're intentional about respecting each other and being there for each other, even in he might not appreciate the sappiness as much as I did as a little girl, but the, the <laughs> lipstick on the mirror that always stuck with me as a child. So what's been your favorite part about marriage so far? I think it's been watching, watching my definition of friendship shift because, mm. you know, you're in high school, you're in college, and you're used to having your girlfriends. I was one of those sorority girls. You think you understand friendship, and you think mm -hmm. you understand how deep it goes. And then you marry someone, and, I mean, this guy knows more about me than any human being. He sees the best and worst. And for me, recognizing that we haven't just obviously gotten married, we forged a friendship mm -hmm. on a level that I didn't think was humanly possible. I think that's been pretty incredible because I think some of the sweetest things he says to me aren't necessarily romantic, but, but he'll introduce me sometimes to people or talk about me as his best friend too. Like this is my wife and my best friend. So just having that buddy on a level that I didn't think existed has been really cool. And I think that's something that's something you can continue to cultivate. So mm -hmm. we just become better and better best friends. You understand each other better as time goes on, but you also get to watch each other grow. And I think friends 
are supposed to kind of be there to encourage each other in growth and the good and the bad. And I think that's what marriage is. Right after we got married, we lost three people in our families who were very close to us, mm-hmm. back to back to back. Um, I was diagnosed with OCD a year and a half later. I had to have a surgery for some female medical stuff six months after that. And so just going through so much gritty stuff with another human and getting, having the honor of doing that and having someone be there for me for 50, 60 years. I just don't think you can be that in a relationship with humans, at least. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. Ugh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just love that answer. I'm getting to the point. Do I want to be married or do I just want to like live vicariously through other people's romance? I can ship him to you for like a few days if you want him. Sometimes he gets on my nerves. I'll just expedite him and you have him for a few days. Whenever you get tired of him, you can just send him back. <laughs> that sounds great, actually. <laughs> Test. <laughs> we have a little test run. If you like, get a boyfriend subscription or something. Just get a new guy every month in a box. Try it out. <laughs> like it, keep it. If you don't, send him back. Exactly. Honestly, <laughs> if that was a real thing, I'd sign me up. Like, honestly, <laughs> sign me up. You could be on to something right now. <laughs> we'll talk after this. See if we can get. No, that. again, what I want is my friend. To know this person and be like, these two together, I see it. Was, oh, random question. Was a person that, um, I guess, connected you to at the wedding, were they invited to your wedding? So she was my matron of honor. So Absolutely. I had my, my, my little sister was my maid of honor. And then her name was um, Annie, who set us up. Annie was my matron. So yeah, she, we were like, look, if it wasn't for you, this whole thing wouldn't have happened you're definitely going to be there. So her husband and her boy were there. And so that was really special for us. Especially for keeping it MVP. (laughs) For real. And she sends us an anniversary card every year. Every, like a handwritten one. We get one every February from her without fail. So it's, it's really sweet that we've, he and I've moved a lot since then, but she Mm -hmm. finds every address, every state, and she's right on time every year sending a card. So it's really sweet. I would just I just chit chatted with her yesterday. So it's neat that we've stayed in touch. Annie, if you hear this, you're the real one. <laughs> <laughs> she, she is. She is the MVP for sure. <laughs> so looking back, year one versus year five, what is a big lesson that you have learned? I downplayed the golden rule so much year one. You know, you always hear, you know, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, whether you're, you know, spiritual or not, religious or not. Everyone agrees on the concept of treat someone like you want to be treated, like that's just fair game. And I think I downplayed it because I didn't understand it's a reciprocal. So the idea is once I marry Josh and the two are one, we're now one unit. Mm-hmm. If I now function as though I'm making decisions for what's best for me and him at all times. And he does the same thing. Neither person is ever without like we, we constantly feel validated, feel supported because I'm making decisions acting as though it's going to directly affect him. And if he steps up and does the same, which he's fantastic at that you don't lack. And Mm -hmm. I think for the longest time, my goal 
was to almost act autonomously. I wanted to fix him. I saw all these things he could do better. And I was so isolated that I was not, I was not functioning as though we were one unit. And if I made decisions for the both of us and made them the best decisions for him, it was the best decision for me too. So just missing out on how, how much it might be sacrificial to give to another person and to put them first. But when the other person's doing the same thing, it's so fulfilling. Like mm-hmm. give so you can receive well. Oh. Is spirituality um, important in your marriage? Yeah, so so we're both practicing Christians. So we, we definitely, we bonded over that. That was important for me. That was important for both of us. And mm-hmm. I think... Honestly, it goes back to, for us biblically, with 1 Corinthians 13, which is read at a ton of weddings, love is patient, love is kind, it bears all things. You have to take that to heart if you're, if you, you know, is practicing what you preach. And for us as Christians, it's love bears all things. Right. And, And that phrase right there, that gives you no room to not show up. And that doesn't mean you're, you're, you show up perfectly. It doesn't mean you always show up well, but there's no excuse to not be present for the other person. And, mm-hmm. and I think that has been something that's been hard, incredibly hard, not fun, but there's so much soul work that goes on that you like yourself better. I think that's been another thing I've loved about marriage too, is it's made me work on myself to an extent that I like myself better. I look in the mirror with a little more pride in who I've become in the past five years. And I don't think any other relationship would have forced me to come to grips with, with myself like marriage has. So I know you said that as a practicing Christian, you knew it was important for you to find somebody on that same um, wavelength. Mm -hmm. When you guys were first starting to talk, how did you bring that up? So he he is a talker. So that first <laughs> date that until two or three in the morning, that was him. I just let him talk. Uh, and I just ate my ice cream and was thankful I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> so we it didn't take long for important topics to come up just because he knew very quickly this was gonna be serious for him. Okay. And and once I got the idea that I actually really like this person. We had both been in relationships that were long before. And and we just got into the point where probably just two or three weeks in over coffee, something super simple. We both just said, look, I respect you enough that I'm not going to waste your time. And Mm -hmm. the other feels the same. So just here's what's important to me. Like here, here are my make or breaks. Like these are game changers for me. Because once we really both started liking each other, it was just going to hurt more and suck more to break things off two or three months, six, seven months down the road because no one wanted to have hard conversations. So out of respect for the other person, pretty quickly, we just laid out, this is what I believe. Do I want kids? Like kind of the hard hitting stuff. Mm -hmm. We addressed pretty early on just out of respect to save the other person time. That actually makes a lot of sense. Though. It does. Not fun. It's definitely awkward conversations. It's like, 
Well, do you have sex before you're married? How many kids do you want? Just going through a checklist of very personal things. But I think once we realized we were on the same page with a lot of stuff, it kind of strengthened and affirmed the relationship quicker anyway. So I think it actually worked out to our advantage. That's great. I mean, you still have people that after they say I do haven't had that conversation. And so things come up. Oh, yeah. No, for for sure. And so and we actually have friends where that's been the case. And so you hate to say that you're thankful for their crash and burn experience, but you learn from it. Like Mm -hmm. have this early and, and just get it, get it over because nobody wants to waste time at this point. I think we were both mature enough at that point in our life. We weren't dating to date. We were dating because we either wanted to spend our life with someone or wanted to see if that was even a possibility. So we were just over the casual dating thing by the time we met each other. Perfect timing. So how do you guys handle conflict or rough patches that come up? (sighs) I take medication. (laughs) <laughs> for my brain. <laughs> That's how I handle it. Um, but having a mental disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, I can pick fights incredibly easy because my brain is running 90 to nothing. So mm-hmm. we can be having a conversation and my brain can create what the conflict is going to be 20 minutes from now. And I've jumped to it. I'm there. I am ready to address conflict that doesn't exist. So I think... Once I realized that, once I realized that I can kind of be the spark of most of the the temperamental stuff, I'm the I'm the fighter of the two. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just with conflict. I've learned to have conversation rather than fight. Like if I feel like I could see a problem coming, I, I just go ahead and say, "Hey, here, this might be an irrational fear. I might be going off the deep end with something that's bothering me." But here's how I'm feeling about X, Y, or Z. Feel free to tell me if your brain's going there too, or or if I'm just making stuff up, if I am being irrational. And he he's pretty level-headed. I am the temperamental one. He is the level-headed one. And I think it it probably took a good four, four and a half years for me to work on myself enough to say, I like you enough that it's not worth fighting. Even if something's bothering me or if you've really gotten on my nerves mm-hmm. I have energy that I'd rather spend somewhere else than fighting with you like it just it's not we have a phrase we use with the other person when we're really really pissed but we, we're not in the mood to just throw down about it it's I love you but I don't like you mm. and that's what we say we're like, look I love you but I don't like you right now and so it just it kind of says no I really do love you Like, I still see you as my husband and my best friend, but I don't like you right now. Give me 20, 30 minutes to just, (laughs) for me, go cool down because I want to fight. And and there's just, it's not worth it anymore. So it sounds kind of petty or silly, but honestly, learning to just look at the other one and say, I love you, but I I can't love you, but I don't like you right now. That's been perfect. That gives the other one the cue to just, hey, they need 20 or 30 minutes. Just give them their space. And we do. And then most of the time, it's just fine. I still get my nuggets. He still gets letters in a few days and life goes on. I love it. Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> always, always. That's actually what I've been craving while pregnant. So 
I don't know how many times that poor man has went and gotten chicken nuggets for me. He's a trooper. So with you being pregnant, how are you guys preparing for that transition from being husband to wife to adding the title of mom and dad? Oh, that's that's such a good question. And I think it almost goes back to the spiritual element because we we believe there's kind of umbrella to the family unit is husband and wife. Mm hmm love the the spouse first and then the child. And I think in American culture, we've kind of flipped that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times parents aren't on the same team. And then you wonder why the child feels stuck in between fights. You wonder why the child always feels an allegiance to one parent over the other, like they have to pick sides. And so he and I just getting ready to be parents, we've already made a commitment. Hey, once a week, even if it's just an hour, me and you are going to have me and you time, whether that's just going through the drive through to get an ice cream or to get a coffee, or it's an hour of my mom comes to watch the baby and we cook a meal together and us two just get to sit and eat. Mm-hmm. Just being conscious that we are still a team and that dynamic isn't going to shift or or be muted because there's a baby in the picture. Because in theory, we love this kid because it's a piece of the other person we love right. so much. And so to, to kind of keep that healthy structure of... No, we're on the same team. We're supporting each other. That's something that we've just tried to establish because I've I've seen it a lot where the kid comes into the picture and the mom and dad completely forget each other mm-hmm. and they meet well. And I, I totally get it. But I think to have the healthiest family unit, I think he and I need to be on the same page supporting each other so we can show up as best as possible for our kid. Right. How did you guys plan to expand your family? So when we both got married, we both weren't really wanting kids, period. That was oh. what was hilarious. Like we oh, both okay. breathed a sigh of relief in that serious checkbox date. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you don't really want kids? Okay, good. I don't either. <laughs> Hallelujah, because there's not a lot of y'all. Um, <laughs> and so I had a lot of female problems. So I only have two thirds of my cervix. I've had several surgeries. Mm. So for me... I knew even before I met him and I was able to tell him it's good. You don't want kids because I don't know if I can have them. I've had to have two or three very serious conversations of it might take longer. It might not be possible. I can't tell you what will or won't happen. And so for the first three or four years of our marriage, we were just both very content traveling, buckling down careers, but probably about a year ago, I don't want to say it was, like baby fever, but we were just around a bunch of people who were having a bunch of babies. And so I it had to be baby fever. Like that's what it was. Uh, but we were both around them and we both just kind of, kind of started chit chatting about it. Not much. I think he didn't want to mention it a lot just because biologically, if I became a problem, he didn't want me to actually feel like the problem. And so- right. It was just kind of a touchy, awkward subject where no one was saying anything. Um, But the past two or three doctor's appointments that had everything looked really healthy, really clean, which was Mm -hmm. new for me. And so I started coming around to the idea, no, maybe, maybe I am okay. Maybe my body's doing what it's supposed to. And so right when we bought this house, it's like an old farmhouse. It was built in the 1800s. It's super old. Oh, wow. We were, we were flipping the kitchen. We were in there like it was just a mess. We weren't really talking about anything. We were just working. And he stopped and looked at me and he said, 
it's not that you're not enough, he said, but I I feel like there should be little feet running around this house. Like there's supposed to be somebody else in the yard mm-hmm. or on the swing or playing with the dogs. And I was kind of there too. And so it was really neat to both just be like, yeah, someone else needs to be here. And it's not that the other person's not enough. It's just, I think we finally created a home together and we're proud enough of it that we want to share it with somebody special. And I think a child being half of the person you love, that's a really special thing. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we came around to it. Um, we, we were told it takes kind of six to 12 months plan ahead. One try, one try. (laughs) There we went. And so we were like, well, in our head, we had another six to 12 months to keep flipping this house and saving, (laughs) but here he comes. So alrighty, I guess my biology is just fine. So that's been the fun part is growing a garden, flipping a house, growing a baby <laughs> all at once. It's, all at once. It's been a blast. <laughs> I think the thing that I just love most is that your timelines just get shorter and shorter sometimes. It's like <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. How long did y'all date? Like Five months. How long we are engaged? Six months. How long did it take you to have kids? Like apparently five minutes. <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> so I just I don't know. <laughs> yeah. People ask, like, what about the second one? I might just be quiet. <laughs> be quiet. You guys are the reason why averages are so skewed. <laughs> We're the problem. <laughs> You're the anomaly that messes up every statistic. It's like, here's the common bell curve. Everybody is here and you're all the way in left field. <laughs> we, we're not, we are not common in the least, <laughs> which has been kind of difficult sometimes, honestly, when you need a mentor, like a marriage mentor, or someone to go to for advice. Mm-hmm. We find ourselves in the most 0.001% of circumstances. People are like, I don't know. <laughs> Good luck. It's it's what we get. So I think that's been neat though. We we are thrown for loops freakishly with stuff like this. It just makes us figure ourselves and each other out a lot quicker. So <laughs> what's your favorite thing about your husband? Ooh. First time I met him, it was his eyes and his butt. But if I had to, like, give you an actual thing about him as a person that I really like, (laughs) he is he is subtly compassionate. He he is he's probably the most compassionate human I know, but he's so subtle about it. And I think there's a humility to that that you don't Mm -hmm. see a lot in people Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. The stuff that he does for other people just blows my mind Uh, it is it is nothing for us to be at a restaurant, just us two eating. And if he sees an elderly man or woman by themselves, it's not, oh, I want to pay for their food. It's um, he'll go over and invite them to our table. Like, do you want to come sit with us? Like, mm. to, He's just very compassionate in a way that a lot of people aren't. I think our generation, I'm a millennial, at least my generation, the one behind me, we are so di- digitized that we don't know how to be compassionate face-to-face. We're really good at Venmoing someone for coffee. We're really good at paying for someone's food and just leaving. Mm-hmm. But he has this knack for face-to-face compassion. He he helped a, an elderly lady 
bless her. She was wanting to get like two crates of Jello, like crates in Walmart. And she couldn't <laughs> figure out the self-checkout. Mm. My husband went over there and scanned every one of them for her. And, and then she hugged his neck and wanted to talk to him. And he stood there and talked to her. Mm. So the face-to-face compassion and humility I see in him, I don't see in a lot of people, particularly my age. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's probably my favorite thing about him outside his eyes and butt. <laughs> I want to. Oh, go ahead. No. Um, where do you see you? Um, where do you see you in 10 years? 10 years, hopefully debt free from this piloting thing. <laughs> one of the big goals. But in 10 years, we've both talked about, in theory, we would like a few more kiddos. He was an only child. I'm just one of two. And I feel like a lot of times people either want exactly what they grew up in or they want the polar opposite. And so I think we're both open to a bigger family. So hopefully more kiddos. He wants to possibly eventually do international flying. So you start out domestic. They don't really let the the young bucks fly (laughs) across the Atlantic. So I think he eventually wants to do that. That would be a lot of fun traveling opportunities for, mm-hmm. for us and for our children. So I think still traveling, letting him flourish in his career. And and I'm still writing books, writing blogs, freelancing, just enjoying that. All while cultivating this really quiet life we have on this little farm. It's so different from when we lived in Atlanta. So different mm-hmm. from when we lived in Colorado and we've just really liked the slower rhythm it's forced us to have out here. So I really think in 10 years, just thriving and that slower pace while we're both still able to chase career goals and, and kiddos would be pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. So Peyton, first of all, we want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to come and talk to us. But before we let you go, we have one last question that we ask all of our guests. And that question is, is marriage worth it? Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. It is. (laughs) It is so hard. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done, but it is the most soul refining process. And it has revealed more about me than I, I ever would have known. And I would say, go for it. If, if you want to grow as a person, get married. It, it will do it for you. It's a, it's a hard, but beautiful process. All right. And there you have it. It's a yes from Peyton. Is there anything that you would like to promote or plug? No, I feel free to follow me on Instagram at Peyton M. Garland. That's kind of where I do all my, my book and my writing shout outs. That's kind of where all my links live. But other than that, I just think IG is the way to go for me. All righty. Sounds good. You can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MarriageWorthIt. You can also email us at MarriageWorthIt at gmail.com. I'm Monique. And I'm Janelle. And this has been... Is Marriage Worth It?